<laughs> That's pretty good. That's some somewhat regional humor. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Dennis, you've sent me all of these beautiful, beautiful photos of your fence, and I want to oh talk my, about your fence. Yes. And I must confess that last week, when you were going on and on and on about your fence, I was a little bit thinking, man, we're going to have to cut out 25 minutes of this just fence drivel. But <laughs> upon listening back to it, it made sense, and I got it. Uh, so I, apologies for my... For my what you almost did. The, the picture that I just sent you shows the for the week about the final piece of work, which is the over-the-doorway trim. But uh, I don't I know if yet. it went because my Wi-Fi system has been acting up and stuff has been queuing forever, and I don't know, and it's a big file, as you know, so I don't know that you got it, but it's... But it has been very nice to see the fence come together, first with the holes that you promised to saw into your concrete and then break up with a sledgehammer, which is all clearly visible in the photos. And so my one question that occurred to me, when you're sinking this pole, it, you clearly, like you've dug down four feet or whatever, because four you feet. said you said you were going to sink no, a no. Four, 14 foot pole that needed 10 feet above. When you put it in there, then you are using a level to yes, make sure that it's upright. Two sides. A level on each of the two sides. And then, like more or less, when you have the dirt back in, it's more or less level. But then in the level... No dirt goes back in. It's concrete. So you dug the hole. Put the post in. Put the post in. Concrete. Fill the full of concrete. And, Not only and you hole. were holding it steady in the vertical. Yeah, and so as the concrete so often was. The, the concrete that you pour is fast setting. So that means when you put a little bit on the bottom and straighten it, and you got, in this case, I did have help doing that, one guy to put in the concrete mix in the water because you put the powder in the hole and then you put in just enough water and you use a pipe as a plunger a five foot pipe to make sure that water goes down and mixes oh, well with the concrete powder so there's no pockets of dry powder and you do that bit by bit so as you climb up the pole so to speak the bottom not only starts to get hard so to speak but as you start to move up right now you have liquid and sludge in there that's also hardening, stiffening. And as a result, the higher you go up on the pole, the, the, the more you fill up the hole with concrete and water, the less you have to hold it. Right. Because at some point, it's straight. But it's got to be straight three different ways. Exactly. I was going to say. What are those three vertically ways? Straight, and the other thing is uh, to exactly the angle that you're going to... Vertical, vertically straight on two dimensions. Indeed. Yes. The left-right axis and the... And the right left south axis. North axis. South, north, east, west axis is what it is. Yes. Or in this case, axes. One thing you can be sure of, it's death and it's axes. If you're axing me, then yes, I agree. But the third dimension is that it has to be straight in line the twist against the two other poles. Which, how did you do that without drawing a I've line I showed you ground. a picture of my multicolored string I used. Fluorescent green and orange. Those are oh. literally called a stringer. Uh, and then where those lie, you put up two-by-fours first. I show you the picture of the two-by-fours next. And that, once those stringers are there, and everything is straight, straight and level. Right. So you mentioned something about the twist of the pole. That's another way of thinking about what I said, that it has to be straight on line with the other poles. Correct. Right. And, in fact, the fourth dimension is the twist has to be right. It can be in the right spot, in line with the other poles. It can be vertical northwest, north-south, and vertical east-west, and still not be positioned right. 
because it's not turned the right way right. to accept with glee and admiration two two by fours that are going to join in the center of it yes and if that's crooked if that is turned crooked those two by fours will not line up the fence will not look straight even though it is absolutely straight in three out of four dimensions whoa it's like there's a lot to it but but then as the years go by we're going to see the time dimension if it maintains its rectitude whoa like what <laughs> whoa man like whoa. like is this fence this fence wasn't here a week ago but it took me three days the pictures you see very nice and not full days eight hours six hours and four hours and then since then today was probably four hours so now i've got to determine exactly how i had discussed with you the the eight foot railing so you can see the opening now that's left the eight foot opening and i was going to put a 16 foot rail on the other side of that fence and push either two or one of the doors way off to the left out of sight from my yard and have full eight foot access when i need it just at the push but here's the thing a 16 foot rail is really big and and more expensive than an eight foot rail so now the new yes. idea is that panel that's uh that otherwise would be a sliding panel that's up against the shed the furthest one to the uh, to the west instead of on a slider that's going to be hanging there on, on a couple of hooks that if you want to take it off because you're going to back a truck in there which you do maybe once a year right right just two guys pick up a four by eight foot it's a four by six and a half it's going to be heavy one guy could do it put a couple of handles on it you know right and whenever you need the truck and just lift it and move it out of the way it's and then the rail is only for a four foot door and only has to be eight feet yeah this is a lot of math for me to do at this hour of the day but you seemed interested let's change the subject so I, did you see I the didn't. last episode of mayor of eastwood i did and then I like I did on Monday night, the day after it comes out on Sundays, and I had forgotten most of it, and I've rewatched the majority of it now. Well, so I actually want to talk about the ending, but not necessarily to be. Yeah, with. go ahead. R remind me of the ending, and then I'll and then so I'll talk to you. So she corners the the kidnapper, and is in the in in Bernie's bar, which is all gutted, right? And she has no weapon, and uh, Colin is dead, shot in the head. A shocking fucking end to right. just a, a great character, a lovely guy, actually. And she's scared shitless because when he shot at her, he got her in the wrist. And she's losing a lot of blood, and she's getting very weak, and she's exerting herself. And at the tail end, as she's putting a tourniquet finally on her hand, and there's blood everywhere, you hear the medic or the whoever arrives saying, Is that your blood, ma'am? Is that your blood? And that voice starts to fade. And then you're inside her mind, and she's thinking about her son at the beach when he was seven. Right. And let's jump in the water, Mom. One, two, three. And you don't know if maybe she's going to die. The titular character. I doubt it. It's going to come close. This is my prediction. She will be hospitalized. She'll wake up in the hospital. And there's a new, what isn't resolved? What isn't resolved is the father of Aaron's child... And while we know the kidnapper, we do not know that the kidnapper killed Aaron. Correct. We have no, it's, it's a presumption, but we never see Aaron captured. We never see the other girl talk about her. 
The only girl she talks about is the one from Wisconsin. Anyway, it's I hated for it to end. I, I was like reaching for the tub. She's, oh no, no. I want to see the next one. It's only yeah. two left. Yeah, that's the that's the thing with HBO. They're still holding out on this this once a week format. Well, and if you get behind, it doesn't apply anymore. Right, of course. So but once I you get tell you, up, I started out with the old standby. And to tell you, I'll let the sound do the speaking. Another one of them big old anchors, anchor boys. Anchor Steam, San Francisco since 1896. Yeah, baby. Almost as old as me. I was going to say, that's right around the time you were born. So happy birthday to your dad. He turned 72. Yep. Big birthday boy. He sent me a long poem. I got through about first several lines and had to go, but I read, I, heard, I read enough of it to know that I want to rework it a little bit. Of course you do. Of course and you I do. Want to, and I want to put it to the tune of American Pie. Whiskey and rye. So, yeah, the, American Pie is a tough one to to mock, to, to mimic, because no. the structure varies so much, and it picks up and slows down the tempo so much. Yeah, because I have a 16 stanza poem to start with. Yeah. I've got a lot of I got a lot of material, and when I'm trying to fit an existing poem and lyrics into the music, and have liberty to change the words around a little bit, particularly lengthen some sentences, shorten some sentences, whatever, but always the main point of the original author, unless of course there's co-writing, whether well, it would be co-writing credentials applied. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to share some of the, share the immense share profits the with, right. yeah. What you got there, a little wiki. Little wiki, little wiki. So, since you mentioned it, I have read half of Alaska. <gasps> Did you? It's very interesting, and now I really want some some sea otter pelts. <laughs> so here's a here's a, a little homework for you that will be easy while you're reading it. I want you to start from the position that we've talked about before, that when you're making a screenplay out of a book, particularly one that's six seven hundred pages that not every chapter, but most chapters, will get one scene in the series. Right. And an episode may have 24 scenes, so you can move through the chapters if there's only one scene a chapter, but your homework is, when you're reading a chapter, pinpoint what couple of pages you think is the fundamental scene within that chapter. And there may be more than one. That's not so hard to do, but yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's the time when you're reading it that you stop a second and you say to yourself, Yeah. Or what I do when I find a turn of words that I love, or a sentence pregnant with meaning, I would read it again. And I'll stop a second. And I'll think about, how many times did he rewrite this? Right. To get this one sentence. To be this fucking perfect. Perfect. And did it come from a poem, even though it's prose? A writer that, that we know, Joe Bethany, he's both a poet and a novelist. And so when you're reading his novels, you will note that there's turns of phrases that are so poetic within the prose that you wonder whether or not they were taken from a previous poem itself. And much to his credit, when he does that, he acknowledges his prior writing and <laughs> where it was published. So he'll say uh, phrases in chapters one, three, and seven, somewhat differently written, were taken from a poem published in such and such a time. 
because he's worked out this phrase and now he's found a way to use this really dynamic, rich, emotionally packed phrase. And there she was, standing alone in the bedroom with the shotgun in her hand, the smoke coming out of the barrel, and she didn't know why. Yes, that's how all of my poems start. <laughs> Once upon a time, that's how you're supposed to. Once upon a time, there's a girl with a shotgun. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That, that sort of... So yes. I'm, I've got homework. I'm going to... I, I got homework. I'm going to write down... It's about time you had some homework. At least homework. one of these phrases that I'm meaning, that I'm, I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, and one or more, maybe a couple. And then we can, you can, you can opine on the phrase... And, uh, and you won't have any context. No. Right? I, I don't have context for much. <laughs> well, even when I give it to you, you don't have it because it's a little beyond your capability to think about context. You're no. more like, you know, what's the point? I you know, I live in the moment. What happened five minutes ago? <laughs> I don't even know. Something about your fence. So we, since we've talked last, my little fishing village in Spain has had a bit of a tragedy. Apparently, last Saturday, a kid from my from the town where I live, who is eight, who is 19 years old and was off studying at a university somewhere, was doing this thing that Spanish kids of that age do all the time, which is go out to a parking lot and bring uh, ice and Coca-Cola and rum or whiskey or something and mix drinks and just or have a good time for four or five hours in the middle of the night. Before a game or just... No, just just on a Saturday night. Uh, yeah, you, any parking. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Some, some yeah. yeah not a gathering a, spot of some kind. Yes, it's it's not tailgating at all. It's just, uh, no. just a parking lot. and Some remote parking lot. Probably. Yeah, and so these kids were out there and bad dudes came up and started arguing with them. And one of the one of the, one of of the the bad dudes took out a, a knife and stabbed this kid in the chest. And he didn't survive until the next morning. So some 19-year-old that was studying at university was basically totally innocently Jesus. murdered. And so our town is very much Aghast. going over that and processing that. And there was a vigil at the local high school. And oh, uh, it just sort of sucks <laughs> that oh, this Lord. kid who apparently was pretty bright, like he was, he was on the, the local soccer team and he was sort of a, right. a local sports star. You know, you're, you're to Americanize it, your star quarterback. And yeah. just to be basically mm-hmm. one night got into a fight and... Right. and so you know, the, the, the two so timelines of this occurring, the timeline of his life and the timeline of his murderous life and that, that moment where they cross paths yeah. and the sparks on either end of that timeline that led to that, which requires any number of different people crossing over those lines. But at the tail end of it, the infinitesimal chance that should happen right. is writ large on the tablets of time. And there's nothing that's got to get in the way of that happening. Nothing. Right. That's an interesting way of saying that it was inevitable, and but yeah, it sucks. So the 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 attacker, who is 21 years old, oh, uh, was immediately detained. Like the police showed up at his house later that within hours and arrested him. Bummer, man. That's put, sad for the family, for the kid. I mean, destiny or no destiny, it's still hard to get ripped from the apparently he has from a, the fabric of our life in a senseless act of violence you know right um, and like if it was premeditated or, or something or right, right. or a car accident you know okay or passion but a knife knife to death good lord yeah and 
just thinking of all the blood that must have been there. And I don't know, it's, uh, it's been heavy on my thoughts this week. I'll bet. I'll bet. And just like, yeah, you finish. You you finish raising your child and you send him off into the world and yeah. then and then that so. and then that. Well, I know uh, I know about that. Yes. So I have a discovery, a agricultural discovery, to share with you. Please, did you find a new? The, the white blossoming trees behind my house are not, in fact, dogwoods. <gasps> the dogwoods are now blossoming up and down the street. These are not dogwoods. They're dogwood wannabes. <laughs> I don't know what they are, but I'll have to look it up. I'm looking at apps that will identify plants and trees for me. Right. I think I found one. Yeah. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. The research is on. So you thought they might be dogwoods, but you were mistaken. Yes. So are these the ones that had the particularly special smell? They were. They. We discussed it, and I remember telling you, quite clearly, that it was odd, but they didn't really smell like that. They had a smell to them, but not that I would have identified that particular way. <laughs> But someone did. But if it wasn't a dogwood, then no, they didn't. Now, I'm, I've got a dogwood around the corner, so I'll take a sniff, and I'll report back. So I got two pieces of homework. I you, forgot the first one, so that means I have one. You were going to write down some notable passages. Oh, actually, wait a minute. In fact, you should actually write that down. Here, wait, here's a pad. To do. Try to do this without making any noise. You do what you can. Make sure to click the, uh, the pen a bunch of times. It's a pencil. Oh, and I can sharpen it. Do you have an electric sharpener? You could, you could go. It's, it's an automatic pencil. That clicks too. No, it turns. Next question. What? It turns. It doesn't click. I used to love my automatic pencils in high school. I still do. I buy them by the dozen. And I use well, five. The point is that you just buy the refills and you don't lose the pencils. I, I lose the pencils all the time. That's just your way of being. It's my problem. It's my cross to bear. It's true. I'll try to rally. I know I disappoint you in so many ways. What did you think about this scrolling fun that I sent you? Oh, my God. Talk about blowing your mind. Yeah, it's just like we as humans whose brains developed on the savanna don't really understand numbers that are bigger than a thousand, right? Bigger than a what? Than 1,000, like 10,000 and 100,000. I guess we can wrap our heads around, but when you get to how much bigger a billion is than a million, like we, we just can't, we just, we yeah, can't see it. I think that's, I, because I work with budgets upwards of two billion in my history, Ooh. I've got a sense of that. Have you been looking at our Patreon again? <laughs> well, and where would they donate if they had billions and billions? Patreon.com slash happy hour. Yeah. Like that famous, like that fantastic video. Oh, um, it just and the impact of that video, I recall, and we discussed this was that in order to have the true impact, you really had to listen to the whole thing, right? Because he never, seven they minutes. never repeated. They never. No. It wasn't. It was how many times that he said it in some span of time. Probably when he was young, he's been saying it for so long. No, just in, uh, since he started campaigning. But when he was campaigning, he said it. 50, 50 times every campaign stop. Oh, particularly. But he was quoted long before he was running for president. He was right. quoted when he was a man in his 20s. Okay. And he claimed to be a billionaire, and of course he wasn't. But so this visualization, which we should describe, and I will put in the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 111. There are two, both by this guy named, I think, Matt Korostaff. He's just some 
youngster in the U.S. somewhere, but he's he's taken this this data that's available and visualized it using scrolling on your phone or on your computer. And the first one that we'll talk about is the incarceration uh, figures, which is near and dear to, to your heart, where it's this visualization to show you how many people are in prison in the U.S. and you just can scroll and scroll and scroll, and then he, you know, and then these interesting facts pop up about how one out of every three black men can will statistically end up in prison at one point, and just this horrible, all these stats that, if you just read them in an article, don't have the same impact as when it's being visualized to you eviscerally in a way that you're touching and moving the visualization around. And the other one is looking at how much money. Jeff Bezos has. Yeah, that was depressing. And just look, and so you're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You're seeing all of this money that Jeff Bezos has, and and then he, and then using the same scale that he's showing you all of his money, uh, he puts like this tiny little percentage of what Jeff Bezos has could solve all of these world problems. Like they could vaccinate every human uh, from COVID. They could pull every American out of poverty. They could do all of these different things, and just the we don't really we and we don't really and we can't really understand the level of wealth that exists so here much and this like you and i have come down to think slightly differently on the politics of uh wealth tax it, and such where i'm pretty much in favor of i guess elizabeth warren was the one that made it really known but just this idea that after you get to a billion you don't need any more money you can't spend any more money than that. And as such, you should anything above a billion, you should give back to society to, to do something. And the fact that Bezos has $185 billion, so that's $184 you billion. You can't legislate goodwill. No, but what are... You can are, tax the piss out of anything over a billion. Right, that's what I'm can't, saying. You can't take away freedom of choice. You can tax it. Right. With a debatable rate. In fact, under the proposal you're mentioning, it would be a 100% tax. Yes, I think... That ain't going to happen. Because here, I'm a rich guy. I got $10 billion, okay? You're telling me, oh, you got to give it away. Say, you know what? I'm going to give it away to who I want to give it away to. I'm not giving it to you to give away. So you got to give them dispensation for that. Okay, but they're going to give it away to... Whoever they want. Who? Their, their friends that aren't quite up to that $1 billion? Could be. Okay. They could make their they could make their extended family billionaires. They could make it so that thirty four people in their extended family, including their cousins, were each billionaires. That wouldn't even put a dent in it. So, but it, why does one want a billion dollars? So one doesn't have to do anything to make money, and one can do whatever pursuit one wants, free, mandatory activity, which otherwise. You can abandon it. Now, if you love a particular work activity, then by all means, continue it. That's why people run foundations. They like to manage. They right. like to get into this. They're working. There's report writing. There's data. There's analysis. There's blogs. There's press. There's communication. That's how they give away their money. But yeah. they're not working so much as they're loving it, but they hire people to, to give it to the away. Yeah. Look, at, look, at, look, if you want to dig into this a little bit, which you might, look at the Arnold Foundation and the couple who at the age of, if I recall, is 42. He was a hedge fund manager in exactly the right time and the right spot. 
you can take a look at what he's worth, Arnold. John. And they created an enormous foundation where they both work, and they've now they've now gone into all sorts of social justice issues beyond criminal justice, which is where they started. How much are they worth? Right, but this is what my point I was getting to is the whole reason to be that wealthy is so that you can so you can make a difference and but give back. But the, and here's my here's here's where I take exception. I don't know if this is consistent with what I said last time. It probably is, which is that's for me to choose. Now you can say to me as a government, you're going to be taxed at a fifty percent rate minus whatever you give away. And if you've got a foundation that gives away thirty million a year and costs six million a year to run, then you've got a thirty-six million dollar credit against whatever it is over a billion. That right, wouldn't even right. exactly. wet the beak of somebody like Bezos. Exactly. Like, you realize how insignificant 36 million is compared to 185 no, 35 billion. I misspoke. I should have said 36, 36 billion, I should have said. But, but no one's giving away nobody billions gives of dollars. Kind of money. No. There's no That's foundation. The it's, yeah. It's, it's a broken system, and whoever has that much can't possibly spend it. They could be buying a brand new... You know, off the factory floor jet every day, fly it once, throw it away, buy a new one the next morning, and they can't spend that much money. No. Actually, you can't spend the interest on that much money. Exactly. Exactly. That's 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 a deeper point. Right. So you, you can't You can't spend enough money to stop making the growth. money. Right, exactly. I, yeah. So it's, I guess you could spend that much money if you wanted to buy IBM and Microsoft or something. What if you cut a contract with the, the IRS and cut a deal and said that every week you were going to send anybody who makes less than $20,000 a year a check for $1,000? Oh, yeah. And they didn't even put a dent in it, in the money that Bezos had. Exactly. And they, I've seen, I don't remember the exact statistic at the moment, but that Bezos could give could send a check for $100,000 to every single Amazon employee and he would still have more money than he did at the start of the COVID pandemic. Yeah. Like, it's just... So what's Andrew and, Zhang doing lately? Because that was one of his... Andrew Yang. Yang. Yeah. Did I say Zhang? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's about to be elected the mayor of New York City. Oh, is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's all up in New York City. Yep. Hey, wow. Wow. Yeah, he, he's he. I, from what I know, he seems to be the front runner. Huh? Yeah. Who's that MSNBC uh, commentator, African American woman, bright as she can be, who is also running for mayor? Oh shit! I don't follow oh, the shit. Microsoft's it's, NBCs. Uh, Millie? I don't know. Man. Millie Vanilli. <laughs> you could just look at primary candidates for mayor, and she'd come up. New but. York City mayoral candidates. 2021, a guide from Rolling Stone. There's an African American woman. Very attractive, braided hair. Yes. It's thin. Grayish in her hair. Yes. What's your name? Myra Wiley. No. Yeah, close. Uh, Maya Wiley. Maya Wiley. I would vote for her in a minute. She is incredible. Of course, I think Andrew Yang is incredible too. He was a lot of fun. He put a lot of pep in that damn presidential race. Yeah. So we haven't we haven't spoken since Liz Cheney was ousted. I have been noticing that on headlines, but I have not been following that story. So, so there's a please. lot of chatter about a third party, and the chatter is coming from the Liz Cheney wing of the party. 
which includes a lot of Republicans with a fucking brain in their head. And this is what the, the story is. We know that we can't be successful because we know for the short term we won't be able to raise any money because all the money being raised is going gonna, is gonna to be in Trump's corner. What we will have is values and the long wait to be ready to be the phoenix that rises from the ashes. And they're digging in to what could end up being a 10-year reign of the Democratic Party in presidential politics. This is the beginning of the progressive uh, revolution, and our next president, Kamala Harris, I, yeah, I was going to say, obviously, will it's also Kamala. appoint a woman as vice president. Right, and that woman could be Elizabeth Warren. That, I was, if you had asked me, I would have guessed that. Yes, she doesn't have to worry about ethnicity in the ticket; she's got that covered. <laughs> right, and. Maybe this Maya uh, lady, if she gets some... I don't know anything about her. I've, I've well, just I don't know her. that she would aspire to that. Like the other woman to watch is Stacey Abrams from Georgia, who makes it very clear that she'll be on the presidential ticket every chance she gets. <laughs> and she is brilliant and produced the Georgia win, which makes her, as in, certainly in Joe Biden's estimation, one of the most important figures in the this year of politics. There's also that lady that I sent you a video of today, Kitty Porter. Oh, I didn't see it. You didn't see it. She does these things where she's a member of Congress. I don't know exactly what her what her status is, but she's often on these boards interrogating CEOs of huge corporations. And is uh, she a heavy set woman? Yeah. And she's former county commissioner. Could be. But she's really good at these things where she's asking these questions where she already knows the answer. Yeah. And and visualizing in this particular one that I sent you that I will put in the show notes at happyart.fm slash one one one, where she's talking to some drug company. I don't know if it's Pfizer or who it is, but uh, some some drug company that is claiming that they spend so much on R and D research and development for new drugs that they have to charge these enormous rates. And she she comes out with this sort of whiteboard, but rather than draw on it, she has these cutout um, construction paper magnets that she slaps onto the board. And she says, okay, how much did you spend on R&D in the past two years annually? And the guy says something and she says, well, actually, you were close, but it's actually this amount that I, re- that I researched. And she says, how much did you spend on this or that? And she puts up a thing. And how much did you spend on stock buybacks to make your investors filthy rich. And she puts this big old thing on the board and, and says, look, clearly we're looking here at the at this visualization of the numbers. And clearly it is a total lie that you are spending so much on R&D that you can't afford to lower the prices for drugs for the poor people. And she, there are other videos of AOC doing this where she just destroys a, someone who then doesn't change their behavior or do anything differently and is still super fucking rich. But at least there's the visual of her taking this person down. Warren has many of these similar such interviews as well. In the context of this brilliant woman who maybe isn't so much as brilliant as is well-organized and efficient. Right. Because what you're describing is like A plus B equals C. But her brilliance isn't breaking it down that simply. It was well-researched by her staff. And, and simply put. And then, yeah, organized into a way that right. could be demonstrated very simply. I'd say John Oliver is the epitome of making certain that within 30 minutes, you not only get those points and those graphics, but you also get some of the most, <laughs> the craziest humor in between. You watch yeah. 
yeah, yeah. religious. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting what happens. Yeah, it certainly seems like the Republicans are on their back foot, so to speak. And so imagine the level of communication and meetings that the Kissingers and the Cheneys of the world, the Republicans are having with one another, and they're sitting and they're they they have the same attitude you and I do, which is equal measures of disbelief and disgust. And at, at a point of at, at what at the current Republican Party direction, ah, okay. with Trump as the titular head, continuing. I remember him which will play itself out. And can you imagine being a fly on the wall in one of those meetings with those people who are looking at each other, just like you and I are now, and looking at each other and saying, what the fuck, how could this be? Who? They just can't believe it. And so they're, they've got to say, you know what? And they're, they're drawing a line in the sand. Well, and they fundamentally misunderstood humanity in a, the same way that the liberals did when we saw Trump and we were like, <laughs> what a fucking clown. We, the liberal Democrats, and also the Republican establishment, saw him as not even close to a threat. He was a clown, a joke to be laughed look at. Jeb, look at Jeb Bush, who's the best example of the conservative Republican Party, as it was known, familyed, and, and of the Bushes, the most competent of them. Wow. Without a doubt. And I know so little about him. Like, he oh, I followed his yawn. governorship in Florida. I was a supporter from his, from the perspective of his criminal justice reform. Huh. He was the only, first certainly, as far as I know, the only governor that did a complete review of every law and regulation in the state that had a negative impact on people getting out of prison, being able to find employment. Huh. If you have a felony, you can't be a barber. If you have a felony, you can't sell washing machines. If you, and it was extraordinary. And I uh, actually met the woman who, who managed that, had a uh, margarita with her in the Florida heat. Where was I? Florida, Florida, Florida. What's the capital of Florida? Jacksonville is where I was. Yeah. So he was, uh, yeah, he was, he had some good people around him and he was totally flummoxed. As soon as Trump called him low energy Jeb, right. he never recovered. And what a sad state of affairs it is, that sort of schoolyard bully talk, like, actually controls the world. Yeah. It's just, what? Certainly, it certainly controls politics. <sighs> this is depressing. So we, what else did we exchange? So I sent you a bunch of shit. Well, I, I so they, they actually did a parody of Mayor of Easttown on oh, SNL. Yeah, I got it. I, I was actually watching it while I was sitting on the toilet. My wife yelled at me not to watch television while I was sitting on the crapper, so I couldn't finish it. But of course, it was funny. Yeah, it's mocking the the whole uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania accent. accent. And at the very end, they say, "And this is where Joe Biden is from." Wow, <laughs> which, I, which I loved. Well, and uh, yeah, you sent me the Elon Musk. Brad yeah, the, is the, name? the Mars. Yeah, so Chad. Chad. Yeah, so there's this character. On SNL, uh, I don't even know who the actor's name is, but he's been on SNL for a while, and this, he does this character where he's just yeah, sure, whatever, sure, yeah, just disagreeable doofus. And uh, I first really noticed him a couple weeks ago in a in one with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, where uh, 
the Chad character was a student of this professor played by Cumberbatch. I'd like to see that. And and he he the professor calls the student in to talk about about your performance and this and that. And at some at some point the professor tries to like make a move to kiss the student, and and Chad is like, whoa, no, yeah, no. And then Cumberbatch goes to to over analyze what just happened. And the Chad character says, yeah, whatever, whatever. I, I won't tell anyone. And then his friend opens the door with a skateboard in hand or something. And he's like, yeah, Professor just tried to kiss me. And just this this absent-minded right. doofus character. And you didn't see uh, King of Staten Island, I take it. No. I don't oh, know. my God. Put is it on a, your list, bro. Is that a movie? This Davidson dude. I think that's his name. He started this movie. And I, if, it, wasn't, it wasn't a Coen Brothers movie. Who yeah, did it's it? oh, uh, Judd Apatow. Yes, Apatow did it. And comedy drama. Yes, he carries the movie. Pete Davidson. Okay. Pete Davidson. Yeah. Yes. He carries the movie. Okay. I never well, found him particularly funny on Saturday Night Live. Of course, I don't find much funny on Saturday Night Live. And not to be a, you have to, it has to catch you in the right moment. It the, has to be funny to begin with, and that's the problem. Most of the stuff they do is just not funny. I know it's funny. And it's not funny. It feels to me that in a way that wasn't true before. They, it feels like you can see them reading the cue cards in a way that, I, it feels like in older SNL, they had more stuff memorized, but I don't know. I don't think that's the case as much as they were better at, at using cue cards, but this is what SNL did. They decided to settle for humorous. They decided to settle for clever. They decided to settle for interesting. They gave up on funny a long fucking time ago. Rare thing here and there, but... So, yeah, it's it's just not funny anymore. I have an article to share with you. Um, it's this rare, apparently, interview with this man named John Schwarzwelder, who was the one of the longest-running writers on The Simpsons. And he talks about his... And he's probably in his 70s now. And he talks about how he learned about comedy and where his comedy chops came from and how he was able to find comedy and to write comedy. And it's just a great, it's a pretty long article, but I'll send it to you and I'll put it in the show notes for the listener. That sounds like fascinating reading. I will read on it and issue a brief report. Very good. That's your extra homework. I'll try to narrow it down to six points. So one of the, the, the very best line uttered by Elon Musk on his SNL appearance, and I watched five of the YouTube cuts of it, was there, there was this skit where they were playing, where they were in in the old west in, in a western and and the bartender gets shot or something and they and everyone in the bar is we're gonna have to go get those people in that other town and elon musk is there and he could just ride over there but what if we like drilled drilled a tunnel and then came up underneath them and then we could surprise them that way and they talk about they have some play on his name they call him like leron and in one of his lines is i invented the electric horse and they're like yeah we know you invented the electric horse and he says i also invented the self-driving horse which is also known as just a horse. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good line. <laughs> the, just the level of, of humility and comedy there of, of being like, yeah, horses can manage on their own, unlike cars. Which, anyway, I thought that was so. Clever. I sent you some stuff. What did I send you? I don't know, man. I just I have a filter set up where I just delete all your shit. Let's see, you sent me all these pictures of your fence, which will be in the show notes. Post hole one, post hole two. On and on. Ad nauseum, ad tedium. I sent you this thing about de Blasio eating french fries. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, that just that just shows Which how was, stupid he is. He's like, hey, if you get a vaccine, we're gonna give you some free French fries. We're gonna give you a free and burger and French fries. Is it too early to eat this burger? What the fuck? Are you not prepared to that you're filming? What if he's just so off the cuff? It'll be interesting. I can't wait to see if Yang would get in there. I wonder if Miley will have a role in the criminal justice. So she'd make a great attorney general in New York State. She's a very accomplished constitutional lawyer. Okay. Yeah. And she could be in the Southern District. She could take over Julian's, uh, of course, Biden would appoint her, but she would take over uh, fucking Rudy Giuliani's old job when he actually... Did stuff. Know, yeah, did stuff. I'm not sure. What he ever did. Nothing. Nothing good. That's for nothing sure. Nothing fucking good. Yeah. So, you know, happy birthday to my old man. It was... It was... 2021, we were in the grips of the worst pandemic since 1918. Mass mandatory, no one could go out and eat. And it's then that the world became clear. Yeah. I This morning I was listening to a podcast that was recorded before the pandemic. And it was... Like, much like when you watch movies or TV shows or whatever, and people are together, like at and a bar, that, that just and, you and, look and, and at like, it and you where's say, your mask? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I ain't going there. Well, that doesn't look like fun. Where are their masks? This whole idea of being able to go out and go see a show, or go do this or that, or your kids going to school normally, uh, was sort of jarring today in a way that I found like, yeah. Ugh, wow. But. And I am so jealous. Most of my American, every American that I'm friends with that is a responsible person uh, that is my age has been vaccinated already. You're not. It's not available yet. Uh, They've started in my town vaccinating the 50-plus-year-olds, and I'm on the the list. I'm taking my first trip in June, cross-state trip. I'm going to Pennsylvania. That's why I'm going to watch that... uh, the SNL episode a few times to get the right yeah. accent. The murder of my daughter. College. You better not, college. You're not murder anyone's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Home of Joe. Papa Joe. It's Papa Joe Paterno. Much maligned. So Took this statue down. This weekend we went for the first time since New Year's Day 2020. We went to where my in-laws live. To their house and to visit. And it was weird. It's been so freaking long. Yeah. Some things are the same. Yeah, yeah. It's good to break a little bit of those barriers back to normal. I haven't, I've been vaccinated now about a month, full month, and we're at, I don't know, upwards of 70% of everybody's vaccinated. They're nice. starting to vaccinate 12 year olds. And yeah, I have and some. We're, I haven't changed my mask behavior at all. The only difference is that now I stop into a, a bar or a restaurant now and then, but every one I go into, I'm 30 feet from people. I wear a mask in, I take it off to order food. The waitress has it on. And. Even though it's now, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask and you also don't have to show you're vaccinated, which means people that will never get vaccinated are running around without masks on too, uh-huh. giving it to a, potentially our 12 and 15 year olds before they're inoculated. But anyway, that a relaxing of the CDC requirements at the federal level has not resulted in a same relaxing at the local level in restaurants and stores who are more concerned about their employees and are saying, you know what? I don't like this guideline because you can show up and just say you were vaccinated and you're a heaving, breathing 
right. source of COVID, and we'd rather not. True. But it's nice to have the freedom, and as much as we don't even we don't exercise our full discretion under it as we sit here. Yeah, I've got a couple of Facebook friends with 14-year-olds that have been vaccinated. They were actually in Kalamazoo this past weekend. I've got some Michigan, Michigander huh. friends. And Should have hooked us up, man. Yeah, I didn't know until it was over, man. Oh. I think they live in it's not Lansing, Hastings, maybe. Hastings, yeah. But, nice spot. But, yeah, it, I just can't wait. I've heard people refer to the, because on social media and Facebook and Twitter and everyone in, and everywhere, people are are proudly posting, I got vaccinated, whatever. And I forget where, but I heard someone refer to it as, uh, if you can't get vaccinated yet, it feels a little bit like if you're having, if you can't, if you can't have kids and all your friends are like posting their new baby pictures or whatever, oh, boy, or whatever, harsh. exactly. That it's like, you're happy for them, but also you're like, ah, man, I'm super jealous. We'll get there one of these days. Yeah. I don't, I'm surprised to hear that you're that far behind. The U S is so much larger. It's yeah, but it's a matter of who wants to spend enough money to get all the vaccines well, and sure spend it. the U S spent more than enough and to the point where they're actually like, exporting vaccines these days i'm getting psyched because i think we'll be returning to live music soon here yeah baby so i got my amp getting fixed my uh, harmonica amp it's got some controls on it that makes the makes the sound like uh what i call watery it, it blends it and oh. bends it mm-hmm. it's been a long damn time since i played public yeah Lord, it's that was a big part of my life and for me it was just a hobby think about the poor sons of bitches that do it for a living indeed yeah, the people that, not only so, the artists, but the roadies and the folks that set up and tore down all the, yeah. all the concerts. Like, I've got to gotta raise a glass for my, my brother-in-law, Brad. Passed on five years ago today. Okay. And uh, practicing for uh, practicing golf as he was uh, getting ready to board a plane and come compete against me every day for seven days straight, nine holes. Yeah. And he was out practicing, came home and dropped over dead. And raise the glass. Depend. I have a little tune for him. Okay. Oh, where, where are you tonight? Why did you leave me here all alone? Well, I searched the world over, and I thought I found true love. You made another end. Well. Your brother-in-law didn't leave you for another. You were gone, he did. He left me for God Almighty. Okay, that's it for episode number 111. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 111, where you can see glorious photos of Dennis's amazing work on his fence, as well as links to all of the SNL skits and other crap that we talked about. And you can help support us at patreon.com slash happy hour. We'll see you next week.